everybody. This is, of course, the U.S. Great Sports Podcast. We are so happy you are with us. You are in the right place. Thanks for joining us. Tonight, our guest, Michael Hitchborn, the one and the only. We're thrilled to have him on. Before we get into Michael's amazing words tonight of wisdom, Father, we always need to turn it to you to lead us in prayer. Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruinous souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. And I want to thank everybody else out there, as we always like to start the show off, thanking you all for your support, your encouragement, your prayers. In particular, we want to thank those of you who are U.S. Grace Force members. Don't forget, you can spread the word, have more people sign up. We're trying to raise the numbers of the ranks, grow the numbers of the ranks to get more people involved with the prayer, uh, you know, schedule that comes out and not schedule as if you're held to anything, but Father's constantly putting out excellent and amazing encouragement for prayer. So please sign up. If you're not a member of the U.S. Grace Force, you can go out there to usgraceforce.com, sign up for that there. Thank you also to all those who support us with the Patreon program. If you want to be a patron and help support us, please click the link in the description below. You are in our daily prayers. Cannot thank you enough, especially in the times that we're in. Your help is amazing. And don't forget to go out to the U.S. Grace Force official gear page and load up with some awesome t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, all kinds of stuff, even cool little baby onesies. All right, which is pretty cool and a lot of fun. And all that you purchase through that supports the work that we're doing at U.S. Grace Force. So thank you all for that. Send a message to the world by wearing a great Catholic message in the times that we're in. So important. So thank you for that. Tonight, this is going to be a great show. A world crying out. Why is the world crying out? I think most of us see every day in the news something happens. Another shoe drops. Another event unfolds. Something is going on constantly that's waking us all up to the reality that Things are not going back to so-called normal, as they tell us. And so Michael's going to talk about that. Father, I'll turn this over to you because I know you were really inspired by something uh, of Michael's work, and I'll let you lead it off. Yeah, so Michael, uh, thank you so much for being on with us. President of the Lepanto Institute. Um, I like to say it's the Project Veritas of the Catholic Church. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's good. It's kind of the same thing. You try to, to, to dig deep and understand the hidden truths that, that need to be revealed. And, and I think you just got that kind of brain. And so uh, your understanding of where the world is at, what we're going through, what the devil's up to, all that. Um, and uh, you just had an article too about the diabolical uh, that you wrote. And uh, just I, I felt like you were just kind of framing things about the place that we're in right now. And uh, maybe if you want to just help us understand what you were getting at with that, with the article that you just wrote. Sure. So I opened the, the article. It was a newsletter article. So for all of your viewers, if you'd like to receive my newsletter, you can go to our website, lepantoin.org, sign up for our newsletters. Uh, and what I wrote about, I started talking about the definition of the diabolic. And Fulton Sheen gave a good definition of it. But what I did is I, I broke it down into the Greek root. Uh, the Greek root of the word diabolic is balign. And balign means to throw. It's where we get the word ball, like a ball that you throw or a ball that you bounce off of something. So balign means to throw. Dia, the prefix of dia balign, is to throw through or to throw across or to throw in between. And the idea is that you're creating a division. So the diabolic 
by the very nature of the definition that we have is something that causes a division by throwing through it. It's, it's a oh. violent division. It's not, it's not a simple separation. It's actually violent. You know, right. That's why the word throw is in it. Wow. So I took that definition and I started examining the world around us. I mean, it's pretty clear. We can say that the demonic influence in the world is very prevalent, but to say that it's diabolical means something very specific. And if you look at uh, how things have been divided ever since that small little wooden idol was adored in the Vatican Gardens and then enshrined on the very altar of St. Peter's Basilica, you can see the divisions that took place almost instantly. It started with uh, the release of this biological agent that came out of China. Uh, and through that agent, you had people who were wearing masks, people who were not wearing masks, businesses that were open, businesses that were closed. You had uh, people who could travel and people who could not travel. Following that, we had uh, divisions in society. You had, and it was all along racial lines. So you had a division, a racial division. Then after that, you had the introduction of the vaccine. And now we're having a division along the V uh, aspect of things, whether you're taking an injection or not taking an injection. Um, and they're, they're, the divisions just continue and continue and continue. And we also see it with relation to the church. In the church, you can see that we have the traditionalists and the people who are opposed to traditionalists. You have the, uh, the idea that, um, uh, so, so we also see infighting. The, the divisions of infighting within our various organizations. And I'm not going to name anybody because it's just not conducive to proper discourse. Right. But, but the fact of the matter is we see those divisions and they're everywhere. Even in our own families, we can see divisions. Divorces are going through the roof. So to say that this age has, uh, th that there's an increase in division is also to say that there's an increase in the diabolic in our society. So I took that idea. And then I went and I said, the thing is, the devil is always going to try to fight in order to make us despair. What's he trying to do? Why are things accelerating? Why do things seem to be getting worse and worse and worse? It's to increase our sense of despair. It's to make us feel as though there really is no hope. So in my newsletter, what I talked about was an old episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Now, I'm, I'm an original Trek guy. I, I, I'm all about Kirk and Spock and McCoy, sure. you know, all the new guys, whatever. But um, in, the, in this one particular episode, and I never forgot it because it was very, very, very insightful, I thought. Captain Picard gets kidnapped by an alien race. And the captain of this ship, uh, is torturing him because he wants Federation secrets and he's torturing him, just putting him through all kinds of painful, painful tortures. And Picard is resisting the tortures. So then he goes to psychological torture. He inflicts pain and then he has him look at these four lights right in front of him. And he says, how many lights do you see? Picard says, there are four lights. Wrong answer. And he, he gets shocked. Then he asks him again, how many lights do you see? Well, there are four lights. And this repeats. He tells him the answer. He says, no, there are five lights. There are only four. But he tells him that he wants the answer that there are five lights. And Picard keeps telling him that there are only four. This goes on throughout the course of the episode. At the end of the episode, 
the Enterprise finally figures out where Captain Picard is, figures out where this enemy ship is, and they're on course. They're going to take, they're going to capture the ship, rescue the captain, and everything's going to be great. Well, this alien captain knows that the Enterprise is on its way, and they can't outrun it, and they certainly can't outgun it. So the captain goes to Picard, and he tells Picard, there's been a battle. The Enterprise is burning. It's nothing but a burning, exploded hulk out in the middle of space. There's no hope for you. Your rescue is hopeless. So you have a choice before you. You can either continue on in this torturous situation, or I can provide for you all the luxuries that you could possibly want. You could live a life of pleasure. And all you have to do is tell me how many lights there are. And he shows him the four lights. And the idea at the end of the episode, really and truly, if you think about it, is that the price of freedom in this world is to embrace the lie. Yeah. So the devil is trying to divide us from Our Lady also. He's trying to convince us that Our Lady's promise that her heel will crush its head is not going to come true. So why is the devil working so hard? Why is he rushing to the finish line? Because he can see her heel coming down. He can see it coming down. And as we find the devil creating all of this disunity, these divisions, the diabolic, I concluded the newsletter by saying we find unity under Our Lady's mantle because we know that she promised that she would rescue us. Yeah. And we have hope in that. And that's what we have to hold on to. Wow. That's good. Okay. Um, before we break that down, a lot of the audience right now is wondering, what did Picard do at the end there? He said, he was, he was watching, and, and just before he answered, suddenly the, uh, the Enterprise crew gets on the ship and they rescue him. So he didn't have to answer. Uh, but okay. he, told, he told Riker at the very end of the episode, he said, you know, I almost said that there were five lights. Wow. 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 A breaking point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, wow. and that's a good, that's a good point right there. Father um, is, is this division that's happening. I mean, Michael seems to be very much just to get us to break. You know, I, I, I saw a post on, on social media recently is, you know, they, they're telling us that we don't need to, they're, they're telling us that they're not forcing us into this medical injection or, or they're not forcing us to embrace, you know, their whole mindset and idea behind whatever this virus and everything is, but they end up restricting and taking away. They restrict this and take away all the things that we really need, you know, whether it's now it's your job. Okay. For many people, it's your job. And obviously for anybody who's not paying attention to what's been happening over the last many months here, um, they're not going to stop with this, roughly 80 to 100,000 people that are under this recent, you know, if you 100 or more employees have to be, you know, injected and so forth mandates, um, they're going to work towards everybody in some way, shape or form. They're whittling everybody down. And as this continues to happen, it's this pain. And I, I see what you're saying with that example from, from Star Trek, uh, which by the way, I, I'm like you, I like the old ones from the 60s. Um, I did watch The Next Generation with Picard. I, you know, I, I found some joy in it, but anything after that, I just could not get into at all. <laughs> right. It just got worse from there. But um, 
but I, I do, I get what you're saying about that. You know, they're inflicting this pain upon people. It's it, there's something so diabolical. It seems like behind restrictions and the pain and what's happening in Australia, New Zealand, and then a church, you know, I mean, when you've got bishops and archbishops out there starting to say things like, you know, like the archbishop in Canada, unless you are injected, you cannot come to mass or other gatherings. I mean, this is, it, it's an infliction of some sort of pain or some sort of torment, some sort of pressure. The anxiety of it for people alone is crushing people right now. So many doctors have come out and said that they've never seen so many suicidal children, for example. You know, these types of stories and reports have been well-documented and they're everywhere. So this infliction of pain, then, Michael, do you see this as part of it that, you know, inflict the pain, inflict the pain, tell us that there's five lights. In other words, tell us that we're correct with what we're saying about why it's important for us to be tyrannical and, and have all this power over you? Is, is, is that the conclusion you're drawing, at least in that area? Well, if you're, if you're trying to corral an animal, uh, there are two things that an animal understands, pain and the absence of pain. So mm -hmm. if you have a situation where you're getting pain from over here and there isn't pain over there, well, the natural inclination is to head in the direction where there is no pain. But the message of the cross, the message of the crucifixion of Christ is the opposite of that. The message of Christ is that we have to embrace our pain. We have to embrace the cross. We have to embrace suffering for our own good and the good of our family and the good of our neighbor. And also out of perfection for love of God. When we look at the crucifixion, what do we see? On, <clears throat> on one hand, we've got Dismas who is crucified, and we've got Gestus, who is crucified. Both of these men are in an equal amount of pain. And at the start, they're both blaspheming, and they're telling Christ, come off the cross, rescue yourself, rescue us. But at some point, Dismas turns to, to Gestus, and he says, Gestus, our suffering is justified. The pain that we're feeling is justified because we are thieves. But this man is innocent. And then he turns to Christ. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That prayer right there is the very nature of what we are called ourselves to do. All of humanity is divided between these two men. We are either Dismas or we are Gestus. We're one of the two. Both suffer equally. One embraced the suffering. So the path out of this is to recognize that the devil has control over the world. So what? It's his. Let him have it. We're not going to live here forever anyway. Our path is the path of salvation, which is sacrificial love. And so we have to embrace the suffering that comes our way, recognize that we suffer because of our own sins. It is our sinfulness that causes our suffering. And that our salvation comes through the embrace of that suffering and the love, the increase of the love of Christ because of it. There was a story uh, about a, um, and I can't remember the name of the saint. I think it was St. Lydwin. St. Lydwin was a young girl, very beautiful, who had a skating accident. And as a result of the accident, she wound up having a, a bad infection in her leg. And during the course of her pain and suffering and everything that she was, she was bedridden for almost a year. And at first she complained and complained and she moaned about it just incessantly until finally she decided to offer it up. And in offering it up, she found that in unifying her suffering with Christ on the cross, she not only increased her love for him, 
but she desired to suffer more. In fact, her mantra was, Lord, to suffer but not to die. Can you imagine? To suffer but not to die for love of God. And it, there, there are many miraculous things that happen throughout the course of her life, but this is, the, this is the science of the saints. It's the example that we're supposed to follow. But the world is telling us, no, follow the path of least resistance. Go in the direction that goes away from the pain because the pain is bad. I keep saying, uh, Michael, that I'm in agreement that I, I think a lot of people are saying right now, at least the hope is, that uh, this evil, this insurgency of evil, and it's been so severe, uh, is going down. It's it's going to be uh, toppled at, at some point, and a lot of people are predicting that October might be that that time. You know, that's Respect Life Month, and um, of course, also on October seventh, we we uh, celebrate the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, but originally Our Lady of Victory. Oh wait. We said we were going to outlaw all words starting with the letter V on this show. Uh, so, <laughs> well, at least some of them, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, we uh, Sister Didi was on a few weeks ago, and they got canceled because we were using the V word too much. So, anyway. Um, so, uh, but this particular year, it's the 450th anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto. Yeah. And I keep saying there's so many similarities because the Turks were emboldened. They, they were arrogant. Yep. They, they said, okay, this is our time because look at this weak and divided Christianity right now. And I, I love what you ended your, um, your article uh, on the, the diabolic, and it went this way. I'm going to uh, read it for everybody. And while the devil's work is to divide... We can all find unity under the mantle of Our Lady. The fury of the demon is intended to strike fear in our hearts and lead us to despair, but rescue is on the way. Our Lady promised that her Immaculate Heart would triumph, and it will. So here we are. We're heading into this month of October, and I, I really want to encourage everybody, please, please, please. I know, Doug, you talked about joining the United States Grace Force uh, when we started out right. uh, this podcast here. You know, go to usgraceforce.com and you'll see an easy way. It's just your name and your, your email and, and you'll start getting uh, emails about the art of spiritual warfare and the daily prayers for spiritual warfare campaigns. But the, 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 the biggest campaign of the year has been since 2016. Okay, the biggest campaign of the year is, is now coming. And that is we do a 54-day Rosary Novena from August 15th. Uh, Our Lady Assumption until the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary or Our Lady of Victory on October 7th. And then in the Sunday nearest to that, we all get together throughout the whole nation and we pray together the rosary at the exact same time. And so you can go to rosarycoasttocoast.com and you can see there, you'll, you'll see a map and it's just awesome. It's filling up already with these balloon pins and what are those those are sites we're encouraging people to pray outside uh because we want we want to reclaim surrendered ground we want to take back this nation uh, we want to anoint and bless the the earth with these prayers that we're saying so uh but get a group together and i, I always tell people a group is two or more so uh, and and just sign up and and your balloon pin will will be added to that uh site but then while uh, what's what's going to happen is we're going to lead the whole campaign 
right on the grounds of the National Mall at Washington, D.C. I mean, we're right in front of the reflecting pool there. And uh, we've got some amazing speakers lined up, too. Um, and I, I want to just, it's unbelievable. What we got First of all, we got Bishop Coffey, who's the Auxiliary Bishop for the Archdiocese of the Military Services. Then Sister Didi, Sister Dieter Byrne, uh, everybody remembers her from uh, her amazing talk at the Republican Convention, um, where she, uh, her uh, most striking was, I'm not only pro-life, I'm pro-eternal life, she said. And then Monsignor Charles Pope, everybody knows him. His writings are unbelievable. Uh, and then uh, I guess, Doug, you're coming too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Father, yeah. It's like pulling be, teeth with that guy. I know. I'll be, uh, I'll be speaking again. I know. Just uh, put me in the back. Put exactly. a tarp over me. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Father Chris Alar, uh, who's the director of the Association of Marian Helpers. It's amazing. I can't wait to be with him out there. And then, and then our own Father Stephen Emberato, uh, the uh, the protest priest, you know, he's just incredible. Very soft-spoken man. Yeah, yeah, yeah soft-spoken soft man, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, he's kind of the MC of the whole thing. And then I'll be there too. Um, I'll be an honorary guest in the audience. Uh, no, yeah. well, I'll be up there too. <laughs> Are you going to be out there, Michael? You're going to be oh, there, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just an hour oh, and Oh, we got to give you house, some time so. for, yeah. for some of your we'll awesome. up there then. Awesome. 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 So we got to yeah. talk. Uh, we'll, we'll get the particulars too after the show. Cause uh, we actually uh, get, have a dinner together. So we'll have to see oh, if great. you can find us for that. Yeah. So anyways, uh, it's going to be awesome. But what yeah. happens is, is uh, at the hour of mercy central time. Okay. So 3 PM central time, it'd be 4 PM up there in the East coast where we'll be at. And then you can do all the other ones, you know, mountain time and Pacific. But uh, 3 p.m. Central, we're going to all, at that moment, we're going to all pray the glorious mysteries together as a nation. I mean, it's just impossible. And, and you know, like you uh, so beautifully put here, um, we can all find unity under the mantle of Our Lady. And Our Lady promised that her Immaculate Heart would triumph, and it will. So that's October 10th, Sunday, October 10th, 3 p.m., and we just, we want October to be an amazing month where um, all these, all these diabolic forces that are, that are dividing our families, dividing our nation um, are taken down. I, I'm so, I'm really hopeful that uh, they're going to be uh, exposed and the house of cards is coming down, but we got to pray like we've never prayed before. Mm. Amen. 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 And on that subject, and Michael, I'd like your, your thoughts on this, you know, when father just mentioned it again, and you had said it earlier too, talking about Mary's immaculate heart triumphing and, and, and anybody who, who has looked at any, any of the history of the last hundred years since Fatima, you know, the devotion of Mary's immaculate heart, when she tells the children in Fatima, God wishes to establish devotion to my immaculate the revelation. heart. Revelation goes back to revelation two, revelation 12. You know, we have all these, these, these promises of that, uh, I know there are people out there who look at this as if it's like a separate thing from themselves. And what I mean is people who are kind of waiting for it to happen apart from their participation in it. And I wanted to bring this up because this has been on my mind a lot. And I know, you know, Father, as you encourage, obviously, this Rosary Coast to Coast, you've been doing this for years, really been strong on your heart. We've been working together on it in different respects. You have so many other people behind the scenes. And Michael, you, of course, La Pata Institute, got that great logo with the rosary around the ship. 
I mean, this is really close to your heart as well. And I know when we talked in the past, your, your backstory about your conversion and, and saying goodbye to your previous job and throwing yourself into this, this church work, which is such a lucrative business with so much popularity, <laughs> you know, yeah. you make a lot of friends when you're standing up for the faith like this. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. Why that scripture verse, they hated me. They'll hate you too comes to mind. But anyway, I just realized the, the, the gas station clerk makes more money than I do right now. So <laughs> <laughs> But what is our involvement in the Immaculate Heart of Mary triumphing? Because we, we know she's constantly coming to the world in the last hundred years. And I speak of the church-approved apparitions. And I know there, there are visionaries and seers, alleged visionaries and seers, even currently, which I always say, keep it arm's length, maybe pay attention. If the church hasn't condemned their messages, they're investigating, they're paying attention. Maybe there have been some imprimaturs or Neil stats given to some of their writings, whatever. Um, okay, pay, pay some attention to, but regardless of that, we've got church-approved apparitions of Our Lady, and she is calling us to be yeah. part of this process of her Immaculate Heart triumphing. So speak, if you could, to our role in being her instruments and, of course, her son's instruments. And I love what St. Maximilian Colby wrote in this beautiful little book called Aim Higher, that the will of Jesus and the will of Our Lady are linked. You can't oh, yeah. separate them. So when Our Lady comes with a message to the world, we know her son's will is in that message because she doesn't do this apart from her son. So, Michael, your thoughts on our participation in this process of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and it's in her in the triumph of her heart. Sure. So uh, it's the sin of quietism or the sin of pietism, which is this idea that we can just kind of go into our own little prayer holes and and not actually do anything to uh, participate in the battle that has to come uh, is is a condemned proposition by the church. Uh, that we do have a an obligation and uh, a duty to stand up and to fight in various situations specifically regarding injustice. Amen. It's not like our lady is going to show up at the battle of Lepanto <laughs> like an animated version of the statue of Liberty kicking over Muslim ships in the ocean, <laughs> like a giant Kaiju monster, you know, uh, breathing fire yeah, I'm and everything that else. right now, you know, <laughs> it's, what a it's visual. Not, <laughs> but it, Here she comes. Right. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. And it doesn't happen that way because the men had to fight the battle. Why? Right, because right. the victory, even though the victory is hers, she wants desperately to share the glory with the rest of us. Right. And there is no glory for those who don't participate. Right. Those who were not at the battle of Lepanto don't get to share the exploits. They don't get to share the stories. They don't get right. to talk about the tales of, of how they went and slew the captain of the other ship and all this. They don't get to talk about any of that because right. they weren't there. They weren't there. So our participation, it, it's, we understand the victory to come in terms of a fait accompli. We know that the victory is there. It's a matter of our willingness to throw everything on the line to leave nothing on the field, to put every drop of our blood into the fight so that we can share in the victory. That's what the whole thing is about. That's why we have to go out there and do rosary processions. That's why we have to go out there and stand up for preborn babies. That's why we have to go out there and cry against the four sins that cry to heaven for vengeance, such as sodomy. You know, if we're not doing that, if we're not telling people 
that there is a path to salvation and that that path requires a conversion, not just of your thoughts, but a conversion of your actions and a real repentance for the offenses that you've committed against the sacred and immaculate hearts. If we don't do that, then there's nothing left to gain. There's no ground to be conquered. There's no battle to be won because everyone will have at that point given up. Yeah. So our participation has to do with our prayer, but also with the way that we engage our neighbor. And, you know, you have a platform. I have a platform. When God says, when, when the Pharisees asked, you know, who's my neighbor? Mm. The answer is the person you encounter. Right. I have a platform. So the people that I encounter are the people that watch my show, that read my newsletters, but also the people that I meet at the grocery store, the people that I see uh, as I'm walking down the street. I, I pray for people all the time when I see them on the road, when I, when I pass them uh, in the supermarket. I see people that look like they're struggling and suffering. And when, when I know that there is something that I can do to help, I do. And you, it takes prudence to determine, okay, is this someone I should engage or not? But every single person that you meet is your neighbor. They are your neighbor. You don't have to have a big platform in order to do something to help your neighbor. That's the obligation. And that's where the battle is won and lost. Right. It's, it's about engagement. And if you're not engaging, you're not participating. There's no glory. Yeah. I've, I've always seen uh, Our Lady as the mediatrix of graces. So the graces, mm-hmm. she, she actually appeals to our Father in Heaven to pour out the graces upon us. I kind of a, a she's a mom, you know. She's she's come on, you know. But uh, and I always like the image, and I don't know if I came up with it originally, but I see the rosary as an umbilical cord, and so that we're literally receiving through that connection, that divine connection that we have through Our Lady, who's you know dispensing the grace that she has appealed on our behalf before the throne of God and it, it, you know, just, just letting us. So then what happens? Okay. Then we're filled with the power of the Holy spirit. We're filled with that, uh, that, that sanctifying grace. And so that what a fire is ignited in us. And then we go out with that fire, you know, we're, however God wants to use us, you know, and I tell, I say too, it's very beautiful. You said, who is my neighbor? The person standing in front of you. That's so true. You know, what, you could be in the grocery line, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the grocery store. Uh, that person is, is, is an opportunity for you. It, it, first of all, just to smile, you know, but, but to be kind and, and, you know, that could even lead to, to them feeling comfortable enough to share what's going on in their life. But you know, the point is, is that we're called to re- not only receive the grace that that is that is given to us, but to but to pour that grace out in every mission that God gives us in our lives, and so I see the rosary as especially powerful after the sacraments. I see the rosary as especially powerful for tapping in to that sanctifying grace uh, that God so desperately wants to give us, and so then yes, empower us to go out to do to do so when we're getting together on October 10th and we're praying out, you know, with thousands and thousands of people from all across the country, we want God to, 
to just throw his, you know, pour out his Holy Spirit upon this country, this land, heal our land, yes, but empower us. I want to see a revival. I want, I want to see a, a, a people ignited. And, and so then each one has their mission and, and goes out and, and changes the world and, and pushes back the darkness that has enveloped us um, because we haven't um, re received the, 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 the calling to pick up our cross, to do what's difficult, to live outside our comfort zone, and, and to do what's difficult, challenging in our lives, uh, to, to again, change the world, to build the kingdom of God, to push out the darkness that has enveloped us right now, again, uh, under the mantle of Mary, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite statues, when I was in Rome, uh, I guess this was about 2018, I, I, one of the things that I always do, I, I wander the streets, I go up the alleys, I, I duck into different churches, uh, I try to go to the places that are never visited. I, I want to avoid the, the tourist traps. I just want to see the beauty that is the history of Rome. So right. at one point, I ducked down this one alleyway, and in the alleyway, there was a statue of Our Lady, and it was gorgeous. It was stunning. And the statue, it was Our Lady holding the Christ child, and at her feet, her feet were on a, like, her toes were on the very edge of a cliff. And uh, at her feet was a ship that was being dashed against the cliff, against the rocks of the cliff. And there was water pouring over the top of the ship. And there was a lighthouse to the right of her leg. And the idea is that Our Lady is the lighthouse. The ship is the bark of Peter. And what happens? The bark of Peter is taking on water. What's the water? The water is the world. And when the world is overflowing the church, as Wordsworth said, the world is too much with us. And we can look at the church and say very much so, the world is too much with us. Right. And we're taking on water and we appear to be sinking, just right. like Peter started to sink. But again, the rescue is always right there. Lord, help me. What happened? Our Lord reached down. He pulled Peter out of the water. What happens with Our Lady with the ship dashing against the rocks right there at her feet? It's in the middle of a storm. It's being, it's taking on water, but Our Lady is there and she's holding the Christ child out to say, look to him, look to my son, because this is where salvation is found. This is where we find our rescue. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things you, you just, you think about how Our Lady is always there. We, we reach out to her. We pray. We ask her for help. She's ready to give it. We just have to ask. Yep. Now, Michael, when, when you, I mean, your great explanation there. Um, as you're saying that, what I'm seeing is, I'm, I'm comparing it to something, let me back up here, uh, that I saw in a, in a video clip of Jack LaLanne. And a lot of people don't know Jack LaLanne. A lot of our audience probably does because he was, he was a little older. Do you know who Jack LaLanne is, Michael? No, I don't. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh, All right. You're youngin. Oh. <laughs> Jack I know Lane Jack is, Lane. Yeah, he's considered Look. the god he's considered the godfather of fitness. Yeah. Okay. He actually came up most of modern day like um like lap pull machines in a weight room, a lot of modern day equipment, leg extensions, leg curl. He designed. Yeah. Um, okay. He's the guy back in the 40s, 50s, 60s who finally got athletes to actually start lifting weights 
put on uh, all kinds of programs, fitness programs, old black and white fitness programs on TV back in the 40s and 50s. You know, he'd yeah, come out full absolutely. of energy and he was big into fitness. He had the, the, the famous juicer, the Jacqueline juicer. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, true story. His wife's name, now remember his name is Jack Lalane. His wife's oh, no. name is Elaine. Oh, and funny. Elaine Lalane. Elaine Lalane, no joke. Yeah, that's three times real fast. Yeah, and I think she's still alive, in fact. He was 96 years old when he died. Wow. He used to joke around and say, I can't die, it'll ruin my image, okay? Because he's known <laughs> as his, his godfather of fitness. But what's really funny about Jack Lalane is, is his bluntness and directness when he talks about people who have health problems. And one of the things that he said in a video clip is people would come to him and say, well, I'm overweight because my father is overweight. And he would say... No, you're overweight because you're eating junk, all right? You're choosing not to take the steps necessary to be healthy. You have to engage, act upon it, and contribute. And I see that a large, largely what you just described, Michael. That's why it comes to my mind. What Jacqueline said is, spiritually speaking, in the problems we have in the world, we have to choose to engage. We have to choose to take ownership of what's happening to the degree that we can and participate with the weapons that we've been given from heaven, especially the rosary and as, as we're talking about it tonight in this episode, and that the necessity of us not blaming others, not pushing it off on others, but realizing that if I'm out of shape, it's my responsibility. If, uh, if I'm poor, maybe that's my responsibility as well. Now, maybe I'm not getting the great break here or there, but am I undisciplined? Well, that's my response. I'm not undisciplined because my father was undisciplined. I'm undisciplined because I've chosen to be undisciplined. If my prayer life is lousy, I'm going to blame my parents, and a lot of people do. Well, my parents, I didn't like the way they raised me in the faith, so I'm going to blame them rather than take ownership of my own spiritual life right now. That's kind of what I see, what, what you were saying there. That's kind of where I, where I took that in my own mind based on what Jacqueline would say. You know, no, you're not fat because your father was fat. You're fat because you're eating junk. So is, is that kind of what you're saying about the need for us to spiritually take ownership, engage, be part of this battle that we're in right now? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, you, it's, it's absolutely essential for us to practice. This is why we call it practicing virtue, right? Because you have to actually practice it. You have to engage in what it means to do the works of mercy and do the works of, of uh, the spiritual works of mercy. All of these things come with repetition and reinforcement. And, and that not that essentially what you're doing with, with exercise or with mm -hmm. uh, proper dieting? It's repetition and reinforcement. So the same thing is true with spiritual exercises. It, it, it's, it's fascinating to look at the parallels between physical and spiritual exercise and health and everything else because it, right. it's all interconnected and it follows the same pattern. So without a doubt, yeah, everybody has an obligation to engage in spiritual exercises, to practice the virtues, to uh, engage the society around us in, in some way, shape, or form. Some people are incapable of going out. That's okay. But they have to be praying for the people who are out there. You know, that's, that's their connection with the world. That's their participation in the world. No man is an island. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite um, stories actually about Our Lady and, and the Rosary is uh, at Our Lady, it was Our Lady of Lourdes when St. Bernadette Subiru was praying uh, with Our Lady. She was praying the Rosary and she said that Our Lady would pray the Our Father and the Glory Be and then she was silent during the Hail Marys. 
obviously. Mm. Uh, and she said that uh, as she was praying, she heard all kinds of growls, animal noises, mm. terrible, terrifying sounds all around her. The Gav River was starting to overflow and swell. And uh, she heard these voices that shouted, get out of here, get out. And she, she was a little bit disturbed by this. She was a little afraid, but she kept her eyes on Our Lady. And she said, all Our Lady did was glance towards the Gav River and everything stopped. If Our Lady can stop the demons with a glance, mm. then just imagine what she would do when we ask her to stop the demons that are pushing all of the socialism and all of the uh, mm. other things that are going on in society that we can't talk about because we'll be censored. Uh, imagine what she could do for us if we would put our faith in her and look to her to chase away the demons. Just like turning on a light bulb chases away the darkness, Our Lady's glance chases away the demons. How powerful is that? Yeah, that's always been one of my absolute favorite stories um, about that. And it's, it's a little known story. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about that story. A lot of people never heard that. And I would right. say, I would say to parents when they would, you know, come to me and say after a talk somewhere at a church or a conference, you know, I'm worried about my kids or my husband or my wife or what have you, just ask the blessed mother to look at them, just look their way, just look their way. Now, obviously there has to be a cooperation with God's grace for certain things to be put back into sure. order. But if, if we are calling, like I've, I've, I've prayed that prayer, Mary, please look at me. Just look at me right now. I need your help. I will cooperate. I'll try my best to cooperate. And it, it, there is something about that that is powerful about just, as you just said, Michael, calling on her to glance our way and just drive the diabolical, drive the demons, drive them away far from us. It's such an important thing to choose to do and then to respond by cooperating with whatever grace she will then dispense at that moment. Isn't it interesting that it seems to be kind of a mirror of what happened in Scripture when St. Peter had sinned? Uh, he sinned because he denied Christ three times. Uh, and this, of course, was while Christ was being tried and he was being beaten and everything else. And the cock crowed. And what happened? Our Lord looked at him. Yes. And as soon as he looked at him, what happened? Peter wept. Yeah. So Peter could not feel or have the proper repentance that he needed. He couldn't repent without the glance of our Lord. Yeah. So true, we yeah. need that look. We need the gaze of our Lord upon us. Yeah. But I, we I, have to return it. What yeah. I'm thinking about now is that uh, I've been preaching lately about how we have a propensity to want to keep God and grace our Lord at, at arm's length at a manageable distance right so that we can manage god and and that that's uh gets to, in the context of that i was talking about how mortification helps build us up in in our grace so that we can more easily do what god wills in our lives i, I was i was trying to explain this to someone uh, recently and um I was encouraging them, you know, they, they, they go pretty regularly to confession, but I said, you know, don't let a month go by or whatever. But anyways, they said, because when you're in the power of sanctifying grace, you know, following virtues and values and morals, ethics, all that, it just comes easy to you. you of course you do it. Um, and, and what is it a sign of that you're strong in the Lord and his mighty power and, and mortification helps that something like, you know, when you think of mortification, you think of fasting, but what does it do? It, 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 um, it, diminishes the cravings that we have for uh, things other than God. 
and 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 strengthens our craving for God. Uh, we we build our mortification muscle. I know Doug, you've been doing a lot with uh, your work with Battle Ready Coalition, mm -hmm. which is basically the training for the United States Grace Force. But uh, but you're building up that mortification muscle in so many ways, so that we can be really strong in God's grace. So that what it comes easy, virtues, values, morals, ethics, principles, all that just is, a, is of course, we do that versus when we have serious sin, especially, but even little sins can weaken us, but serious sins throws us out of the Garden of Eden, basically. It throws us out of sanctifying grace. It throws us out into the world where the prince of the world is. Now he has a very easy time with us so that we can go into fits of rage, so that we can, you know, talk behind someone's back, so that we can, you know, be a part of his dividing that's going on. He can easily use us for that when we're outside that, that state of grace. And that's why I say, Our Lady, we want to be so well connected. That's why the a rosary is like an umbilical cord. That's how connected we are. We want to be so well connect, connected to, to, to Jesus's mom, okay, that that helps us to stay really, really, really connected to um, the Holy Spirit, the power of sanctifying grace in our lives. And that's why, too, I want to give one more quick pitch to October 10th, that please, please, please um, unite with all these prayer warriors. Uh, let's be a force to be reckoned with. Let's 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 uh, let's get under our lady's mantle. Let's believe in the power of grace. Let's believe in the power of Mary's intercession. And let's believe that God will. Uh, I love the Psalms because the Psalms are replete with how the enemy comes crashing down. We don't will hell for the enemy, but we will something to change for the enemy, uh, i.e., uh, prodigal son. That 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 gets them to change the direction towards Satan and get them to uh, direction toward God. And so we want, we want this, this, this nation of ours to be a God fearing nation, one nation under God. And so please, please join us uh, 3 PM central time, go to rosarycoast.com to sign up uh, 3 PM central time on October 10th. And we're going to be united under Mary's mantle. Amen, brothers. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I actually think um, our producer today has to get going. So this will be a little shorter sh show if you don't, guys don't mind. And uh, let, should we close with a prayer? Absolutely. Right. Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. We pray, loving Father, that you pour out your, your Holy Spirit upon our nation. We ask for a, a revival like we've never seen before. Uh, may everyone join together, unified under the mantle of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome, you guys. Thanks, Michael. Thank you so much, guys. God bless you.